Open your Bibles, if you would, with me this evening to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, I'm going to read to you from some scripture here that a lot of um, many churches, many, many pastors don't delve into this chapter much, talk about it much, but um, we want to get into this this evening. Today, this evening, tonight, is this is still Sunday, I think, and it's still Pentecost Sunday, all right? Praise God. And um, so uh, I, want to, I want to talk a little bit to you this evening from this 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And I want to talk to you about a subject that most of us are familiar with, but we need to learn as much more about it as we possibly can. And it's on the subject of tongues, speaking in other tongues, and the, um, the use of tongues within the church and in our own private devotional life. And so if you'll turn with me, I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture from this 14th chapter. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Or, yeah, it's 40 verses, the whole chapter. But take some time when you, uh, in your own private devotions and study, if you would, to, to uh, get into actually 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 and uh, study those chapters. Because as I said this morning, we, uh, we, th- there's still a continuance and a permanence of the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit within the church today. The Holy Spirit has not changed His way of doing things from the book of Acts and from the New Testament order. We are a New Testament church, amen? And so, so what, what the Bible teaches in the New Testament for the New Testament church is still for us today in the 21st century. So as you study this, study Revelation, study 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 12 deals with the, the gifts of the Spirit, the nine spiritual gifts, their operation in the body of Christ. It talks about the unification of the body of Christ and our position, our place in the church. And so study that about the gifts. I may, I may get into, to, uh, not tonight, but maybe in the next few weeks into doing some teaching on Sunday evening on the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, but then chapter 13 falls in there and gives us the motivation for the operation of the gifts, which is love. He said if you don't, it doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues or doesn't matter how much faith you have or how much knowledge you have. It doesn't matter if you don't have love, all of that sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It, it doesn't mean anything. So the motivation behind all those, uh, the gifts of the Spirit is love. So that's what he is talking about in chapter 13. He's showing them a more excellent way that's the more excellent way is operating in those gifts in love but then in chapter 14 Paul spends a whole chapter now you know there's not very many chapters in the Bible the places in the Bible where the writer spends an entire chapter dealing with one subject 
But chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is one of those chapters where Paul deals primarily with speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He deals with prophecy there. He deals a little bit with the, with the gift of the interpretation of tongues. But he talks about in this chapter the working together of those gifts of tongues with interpretation, tongues in devotions and in prayer, in your devotional prayer time and in worship, in your private time with God, and tongues and um, with interpretation and prophecy within the church. And so this chapter has, it's so important to any spirit-filled church. We, you know, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We want the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. But my prayer always is, God, we want the correct order and operation of the gifts of the Spirit. We don't, we don't want, you know, listen, Pentecost, Pentecost has got, and Pentecostals have gotten a bad rap and a bad name over the years because, listen, this, the, the charismatic bunch about ruined us. Oh, come on. Amen? But they did. There was so much goofiness and foolishness and, and, and off-the-wall stuff that's been done under the name of being spirit-filled and that it and it, and it wasn't being spirit filled at all. It was it was it was stuff that you can't even find manifestations that are not even in the Bible. So if we want the operation of the Holy Spirit within the church, we want the gifts of the Spirit to operate. We want it decent, as Paul said, decently and in order. There has to be an orderly manner to the to the operation of the Holy Spirit within the church. I think I mentioned this morning in my message today that. That, that in this chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is in no way demeaning speaking in tongues. There's no place in these three chapters that he's talking anything about stopping speaking in tongues or that it's been done away with or it's not for the day. But as I said, he was just bringing some order and the correct use of speaking in tongues into the church because the Corinthian church had got they, they had got out of out of balance with this and 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 everybody in the church when they came together I mean everybody it was just a free-for-all and everybody was talking in tongues and talking in tongues and talking in tongues and 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 there was no edification going on and he made the statement and in in in, in one of these verses he said if if you all come together and everybody's just talking in tongues talking in tongues out loud in the worship service he said unbelievers are going to come in and they're going to say you're out of your mind and that's what's happened in so many Pentecostal church churches maybe not necessarily with the tongues but so many a lot of other manifestations that have taken place within the within the charismatic Pentecostal realm that have not been manifestations of the Holy Spirit but have have been classified as manifestations of the Holy Spirit and has it's caused the world to look at it and say they're a bunch of kooks. They're a bunch of nuts, all right? But there is a correct order and, and, and uh, use for those gifts of the Spirit. And speaking in other tongues is very important in the life of the believer and in the life of a Pentecostal Spirit-filled church. Amen? So let's begin reading from 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 1. He says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. 
And you know, this right here, right here is what I would like to, and that's why I wanted to talk about this to this Sunday night group, this Sunday night crowd, because I want to try my best to encourage you to begin to desire and to covet the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? And, and, and we, we'll teach on the correct order of them. And, and I know, you know, that will, that will flow fine. But what we want is and desire is an, the operation of these spiritual gifts in, the, in this church. Operating through you, the believer, the body of Christ. And so the Bible tells us here that we are to desire those spiritual gifts. Paul said in another verse later on in this chapter, to covet earnestly the best gifts. To covet earnestly. And that's the only place I know of in the Bible where he tells us it's okay to covet something. And that is to covet more of God. Come on, somebody. To covet the gifts of the Spirit. So he says, follow after love. Pursue after love first and foremost, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And I don't have time to get into all that, but there's a lot of stuff going under this guise of prophesying that is, that is not from the Holy Spirit today, all right? Hallelujah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll slide right on by that. But prophecy, and he'll tell what prophecy is here in a, mem- in a moment. But, but, but that you may prophesy, that should be your utmost desire. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He that prophesies speaks unto men, to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. Now, notice if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, you're not talking to anybody. It's the direction of speech that Paul's dealing with here. It's when you're speaking in tongues, who are you talking to? You're talking to God because nobody else understands what you're saying. But God does understand what you're saying because it's a spiritual language given by the Holy Spirit. So when you're speaking by the Spirit, in the Spirit, in other tongues... You're speaking not to men, but unto God. That's why when there's an utterance in tongues in a worship service, there has to be an interpretation. When there is a, when there is a, a the ministry of the gift of, of, of diverse kinds of tongues, there has to be in that church service then the operation of the gift of interpretation of tongues so that the whole church is edified. Because if you're just speaking in tongues, and there's no interpretation. Nobody knows what you said except God, and so no one receives any edification, okay? You understand that? So tongues and interpretation flow together. Tongues with an interpretation equals equals prophecy. It's just like, you know, prophecy would be like having a dime. Tongues and interpretation would be like having two nickels. You still got the same thing. It equals the same thing, all right? Praise God. But But he that prophesies speaks to men. Here's what prophecy does. Prophecy speaks to men or it speaks to the church. It's understood. It's understood to those who who are hearing the prophecy go forth. And he that prophesies speaks to men to edification, 
exhortation, and comfort. Those are the three areas that prophecy, a prophecy, simple prophecy in a church will deal with. It will edify, it will exhort, and it will comfort. It will edify and that it will build the church up. Anytime prophecy, come, a prophecy would come forth that would, that would condemn or tear down, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. It always builds up and edifies. It encourages and it brings comfort. Those messages in, uh, of prophecy do. That's what prophecy does. That's what tongues and interpretation does in the church. It edifies, exhorts, and comforts. Verse 4, he says, He that speaks... In an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Look at verse 5. I love what Paul said here. He said, he, he said, I would that you all spoke with tongues. Paul did not say, stop speaking with tongues. Paul did not say, you're wrong by speaking in tongues. Paul said, I would, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I would that you all spoke with tongues. All right? That's pretty plain, and that's pretty simple. Now, now notice he goes on to say, but... Rather that you prophesied, I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifi be edified and receive edifying. Okay? Now, now, you know what he's talking about. He's dealing there with the gift of tongues as opposed to the devotional gift of tongues. Are you following what I'm saying? If there's tongues and utterance, as I said just a moment ago, given in the church, there has to be an interpretation of that for there to be edification of the church of the body. If you are around the altar or at home or at your seat in a church service and worshiping God to yourself in tongues, then you can do that, praise God, as long as you and much as you want, as long as you're not disturbing the rest of the congregation, all right? Are you following me? That's why he said, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. But what was happening in the Corinthian church, they, you know what they were doing? They, as I said, they were all speaking in tongues out loud at the same time with no interpretation, and it was confusion and it was mass chaos. That's what Paul is doing here. He's putting some boundaries on it and saying it's got to be done in the right way, in the right manner. So he said, I would that you all spake with tongues, but the main thing is is if you give a message in tongues, there must be an interpretation because we want the church to be edified. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit except I speak to you either by revelation or knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? In other words, there has to be an interpretation to a public message. All right? And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they have a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. 
There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification or significance. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks about barbarian, and he that speaks to me uh, it shall be a barbarian unto me. And you know if you've been in a foreign country and tried to communicate with somebody and didn't know the language, that's what he's talking about. That's the same thing if there's utterance in tongues without an interpretation. That's what he's dealing with. Verse 12, even so, you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts. That's one thing I can say positive about the Corinthian church. They were a church that was zealous for the things of the Spirit. They were zealous for spiritual gifts. And he said, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, because of that, okay, because the church is what has to be edified, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he interpret. I think someone, Sister Yvette, was asking me that question a couple of weeks ago. If, if you give a message in tongues, can, you, can God give you or will God give you the interpretation or does somebody else have to interpret that message? And it had been, been taught by some that if you give a message, you can't interpret that message. Somebody else has to interpret that message. And that is not scriptural. Paul says right here, if you pray in that tongue, if you give forth that utterance, in that tongue, then you must, you, if you speak in an unknown tongue, then pray that you interpret. Pray, ask God, give me the interpretation. Amen? I think most all the time, anytime Sister Denise gives a message, it's followed by an interpretation. So that's very scriptural. Amen. Actually, that's probably, um, you know, we don't want to limit it to that, but that's one of the, the purest forms of those two gifts working together in one individual. Amen. This morning we just had an utterance in prophecy that came forth that edified the church without a message in tongues. Amen. That's perfectly in order. Hallelujah. To edify and build up the body of Christ. So he said, if you speak in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. For if I pray. And now in verse 14 he's dealing with the prayer, the time of prayer or praying in tongues. Which is this devotional, the devotional gift of tongues is probably the most prominent and should be the most used and exercised, I guess I should use that word, exercised, in the life of the believer. Personal, uh, the, just used as a communication to the Lord, all right? For Paul said, if I pray... In an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice my mind doesn't know what I'm saying. But we already read, he said, that when you pray in an unknown tongue, you're speaking not to yourself or to anybody else, but you're talking to God. So does it matter that you don't understand what you're saying? Your mind, your understanding is unfruitful, but you're talking to the Lord. And he does understand what you're saying. He said in verse 15, what is it then? He said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. And I want to point out something in this verse. And that's when he says, I will pray with the Spirit. We know when he uses that terminology, I will pray with the Spirit, 
we know he's talking about what? Praying in tongues, don't we? How do we know that? Because the next, the next sentence he says, I will, I will pray also with the understanding. So when he's praying with the Spirit, he's not praying with the understanding. Is everybody with me? In other words, his mind's not comprehending when he's praying in the Spirit. So to pray in the Spirit, we use that term. Uh, he or she was praying in the Spirit or praying with the Spirit or praying in the Holy Ghost. That refers to praying with tongues, with other tongues, as the Spirit of the Lord is giving you the utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they spoke with tongues as what? The Spirit of God gave them the utterance. The Spirit of God, one translation says, prompted them as to what to say. Hallelujah. And so Paul is saying here, then I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will pray both ways. I'll pray with my mind. I'll pray about things that I know to pray about, but then there, there are some things that I don't know to pray about, and then I will pray with the Spirit. Hallelujah. In other tongues, and the Holy Ghost always knows what to pray about. Hallelujah. Come Come on, amen. Oh, yes. He said, I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the other understanding also. But notice also he says this, I will sing with the Spirit. In other words, I will sing with other tongues. Anybody ever sing in other tongues? I do a lot. You know I have a wonderful singing voice anyway. And, uh, but, but, boy, you know, when I'm alone with God and worshiping God, I mean, there's many times I'll just sing in the Holy Ghost, sing in the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will just move on me. I don't know. You know, sometimes I'll sing a song in the Spirit that is to a tune of a song that I know. Sometimes it's not. It's just like what Paul said in Ephesians, you know, that we're, we're, singing, we're singing and making melody in our heart with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in our heart to the Lord. But that's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I will sing with the Spirit or in the Spirit, but he said, I will sing with the understanding also. Hallelujah. Now you sing with the understanding. When our worship team is up here, we have the words on the screen, and they're leading us in a song. We're singing with the understanding. It wouldn't do any good at all for them to get up here and have the Holy Ghost move on them, and they sing in in other tongues. And we did, and we had, uh, we didn't know what they were saying. We didn't know what they were singing. That wouldn't be very edifying. So Paul said, "I will worship the Lord both ways." I will worship Him with the Spirit. I will pray with other tongues. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing and worship God in other tongues. And I will sing with the understanding also. I'll sing both ways. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Verse 16, he said, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say, Amen? At your giving of thanks. In other words, if you're called on to pray over a meal and you're praying in tongues, when are they gonna, how are they going to know to say amen? Because they don't know what you're saying. So that's not the time. Are you listening to me? That's not the time to pray in the Spirit. 
That's the time to pray in the understanding so everybody can hear what you're saying and understand. He said, how can he then, how would he that occupies the room of the unlearned say, man, at your giving of thanks, seeing that he understands not what you say? And then verse 17, he says, what you did. Notice he said, for you verily give thanks well. In other words, yeah, the prayer was okay. You gave thanks well by praying in, in the Spirit, speaking that prayer in tongues. But the problem was nobody else was edified by it. You were the only one edified. Because he that prays in tongues, it said, edifies himself. Some people have, have, have criticized that and said, well, we're not supposed to edify ourselves. We're supposed to edify the church. Well, that is true. We edify the church. But they're not understanding what that word edify means. When it said, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself, it doesn't mean that you're boasting in yourself or boasting on yourself or making yourself to be something special or priding yourself in anything. That word edify means to build up as an edifice just as they're building this this barn or whatever they're building over here just as they're building this building you you kind of watch it go up I mean they set they set the poles they put the you know the stringers or whatever in there they're putting trusses on there they are building it from the ground up it's to build an edifice a build a house that's what the Lord said that praying in the spirit will do for you and I it will edify us it will build us up spiritually are you hearing me it will build us up spiritually let me tell you something in church, there, there, this is one of the most important aspects and areas of praying in the Spirit and utilizing tongues in your personal devotional life is because it builds you up spiritually. It strengthens you spiritually. It enhances your walk with the Lord. It draws you closer to Him. It's a blessing to your life. No wonder the devil fights it so hard. Hallelujah. Amen. In verse 18, he said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. So Paul was not demeaning tongues. He practiced it. I mentioned I know I didn't mention him this morning, but Paul received the Holy Spirit when Ananias laid hands on him in Acts chapter 9. And there's not any record in Acts 9. It doesn't say that he spoke with tongues. But we know that he did because he says so right here. I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. There were five instances, and when we talk about the, the Holy Spirit, when we talk about tongues and the importance of tongues, one of the main things we need to understand is, and I know there are even among Pentecostal ranks and circles today, there's division on this point, and that is the fact that, that speaking in tongues is the initial, first initial evidence of one receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's an, that, that first initial evidence. Now, now I want to say this. I want, I, want to, I want to clarify something. I don't believe that speaking in tongues is the only evidence. I believe it's the first evidence, the initial evidence. But it's not the only evidence. One other evidence is what I spoke about this morning, is boldness to witness. That is an evidence of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Another evidence should be love shed abroad in our heart. The Bible said that the love of God in Romans 5 and 8, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So us walking in love should be another evidence that we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Because listen, I'm going to tell you something. You know, Paul said the same thing. If it doesn't matter how much an individual speaks in tongues, if they're mean as the devil, if they have hatred in their heart for people, if they gossip about people and kill people with their tongues, they do not have have the Holy Spirit. Come on, amen? I don't care how much they prophesy or speak in tongues because love is one of the evidences of the Holy Ghost indwelling our heart and our life. So the initial physical evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that they will speak, that individual will speak in tongues. Five instances in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, five instances where people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 19. Five places where they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And three of those five instances definitely says that they spoke with tongues when they were filled. The other two of those instances, it is implied that they spoke with tongues when they were filled. Amen? On the day of Pentecost, they all spoke with tongues when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We read Acts chapter 2, verse 4 this morning. Every Pentecostal ought to know that verse by heart and you ought to quote it in your sleep. Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That was the first instance of them receiving the Holy Ghost. But then, as I said, in Acts chapter 8, when, they, when Peter and John went down to Samaria to pray for those believers that had been saved, that had been water baptized, many of them had been healed, but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John went down there to pray for them, held a special service to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 it, and somebody would say, well, you know, and when they laid hands on them and they prayed for him, the Bible, them, the Bible said that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. And I know people have said, yeah, but there you go. It didn't say that they spoke with tongues. But it's implied that they did because there was a sorcerer there by the name of Simon that was bewitching the people and he had become a follower of Philip when he saw the miracles of Philip. And when Simon, the Bible said that when Peter and John laid hands on these Samaritan believers and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it said that when Simon saw that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, he offered Peter some money and said, I want to buy that gift so that I can lay hands on people and they received the Holy Ghost just like you did. There was something that Simon witnessed and saw. You can't see the Holy Spirit. He's right here tonight. But you can't see Him. But but there was something that he witnessed. He saw a physical manifestation. Is anybody here? I said he saw a physical manifestation that caused him to know that these believers had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And I believe with all my heart that what it was, it fits the pattern of the other three times where they did speak with tongues. The other time that it was implied was in Acts 9 when Ananias went in and prayed for, for Saul, who was Saul at that time. And he said to Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me to you to lay hands on you and pray for you that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe when he laid hands on him, that's exactly what happened. Scales fell from his eyes. He received his sight, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't say spoken tongues, but as I said, it says it right here. I thank God I do speak with tongues more than you all. Woo! So that's our position. That's the position uh, that we take on the infilling of the Holy Spirit and tongues being the initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit. Peter, when he went down to um, the Gentiles, Cornelius' house, and he began to preach to them. And I mentioned that this morning as well, that, that the Holy Spirit fell on those that were present while Peter was preaching. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 10. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46 tells, tells us how they knew that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Verse 46, for they heard them. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then when Peter was called before uh, his district council for visiting a church that was not in their organization, he was called on the carpet and they wanted to know why he was down there preaching at that church that didn't belong to their fellowship. And Peter said, gave them the, the, the lowdown on how the Holy Spirit appeared to him and sent him down there. And Peter said, I begin to speak. I begin to preach. And so Peter tells them exactly what happens. And he says, as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us in the beginning. Then remembered I, as soon as I saw that, he said, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how that he said, John, indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus, what was I that I could withstand God? He said God gave the Holy Ghost to those Gentiles just the same way, just like he gave the Holy Ghost to us on the day of Pentecost. We heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Amen? Oh, listen to me, saints. Speaking in other tongues is from the Lord. It is of God. Speaking in other tongues as a genuine manifestation of the Holy Spirit is a language. It's a, it's a language known somewhere. Now, I know there are some that say that it's a language that anytime you're filled with the Holy Ghost, of course, when you speak in tongues, it's a language you have not learned. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural utterance. And some, some will say that it's a language only that could be found on the earth. 
Um, but be that as it may, I believe that many times it is a language somewhere on the earth, whatever it may be. I've heard people say, well, I heard so-and-so speaking in tongues, and it didn't sound like a language to me. I heard some language, and when I was in Uganda, it didn't sound like language to me. Amen? But it was. They knew what they were saying. Amen? There are a lot of different dialects in the world today. But I also believe that it can be a heavenly language because Paul said that if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. So there's a heavenly language as, as well. But the point is this, whether it's an earthly language that you haven't learned and you don't know anything about, or it's a heavenly language, it is, this, it, it is a language, it is a true language, it is a language from God. It is not babbling, it is not gibberish, and people need to be careful about how they refer to someone speaking in tongues. It is a language that is given by the Holy Spirit, and it is understood somewhere in the universe and we know that it's definitely understood by Almighty God. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. It is from God. Jesus said that speaking in unknown tongues, another tongue is a sign that would follow believers. It's one of the, the signs, the five signs that he said would follow them that believe. He said they would cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, uh, eat or drink any deadly thing. And he said they shall speak with new tongues. That's a sign that is to follow believers. That is not a sign that follows unbelievers. It follows believers, those who believe, those who are children of God. All right? Now, you know, the majority of non-Pentecostals, I would have to say, that the majority of non-Pentecostals are not antagonistic towards speaking in tongues. They just don't want anything to do with it. I know, you know, for instance, my Vicky, my wife, her parents were Southern Baptists. Vicky was raised Southern Baptist Church. My family was all Assembly of God background, Pentecostals. And so, um, you know, you know, when we got, we got together, we got married, we got in church and got saved, well, she didn't really know what to think about all the operation of the Spirit in our little Pentecostal church that we attended, the, the, the messages in tongues and the speaking in tongues. But here was the thing. Here was the thing. All her life as, as a little Baptist girl, her parents never demeaned tongues to her never spoke against it never said never told her it was of the devil they had a singing group they had a gospel quartet they would go to a lot of different churches and sing her parents did and uh and of course vicky growing up would go with them as well but they would sing in some pentecostal churches in full gospel churches where there would be people speaking tongues and and uh and so the kids would ask their mom what was all that about we don't ever hear that in our church. What was all that about? And their mom, her, their mom always told them, said, well, listen, 
that's we we don't we don't practice that in our church but we're not saying anything against that you know that's 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 the, what they do what they practice in their church they're good people this that or the other but we just don't practice that so they weren't antagonistic to tongues but then you've got that small percentage on the other side that'll tell you well that's of the devil it's an evil spirit it's a demon and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you those people that say that and there's some preachers it, it just makes me cringe in my spirit to hear a preacher preaching and say those tongue talkers are of the devil they had better be careful about what they're saying because when those Pharisees ascribed the works of, 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 of uh, the Holy Spirit that Jesus was operating in and said that he was Beelzebub that he was of the devil Jesus told them right then that they were very close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit I see them that never has forgiveness people need to understand especially ministers that have read their Bible and should know better to say that tongues is demonic or of the devil now I'm going to tell you something. The devil has a counterfeit and an imitation for everything that is real. Have I ever heard counterfeit tongues? Probably so. Have I ever seen counterfeit manifestations in a Pentecostal church? Oh yeah. But you know what? That doesn't make me doubt it. That just makes me know that in order for the devil to counterfeit something, there has to be something real to counterfeit. There has to be. Something real to counterfeit. Nobody's counterfeiting $75 bills because there aren't any real ones, I don't think. <laughs> but I don't have any qualms with those who don't practice speaking in tongues as long as they're not antagonistic against it. And as long as they don't tell me that I'm wrong for doing it. Amen. Because they can go to heaven without speaking in tongues. And I'm going to heaven speaking in tongues. Amen. So we just need to get along there. I wish that I'm like Paul. I wish they'd see the light on it. And I wish they'd all speak in tongues. I wish that all. I wish everybody in this church would get full of the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. Woo! That's not apt to happen when they're heading for the exits on Sunday morning, though. You've got you to hang around, tarry a little while. But the devil, the devil is not going to give anything to you, to me, to anybody else that will be a blessing to your life. He's not going to give anyone anything that will cause them to love God more. He's not going to give them anything that will cause them to live a holy life. Isn't that right? The devil's not. He's not doing that. He's not in the business of making people holy. He's not going to give them. The devil's not going to give anybody anything to give them a better understanding of the Word of God. Satan's not going to give anybody anything that will enhance their prayer life or their walk with God. And all those things that I just mentioned are things that the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues will do 
in your life. He will, it will make you, draw you closer to God, make you love Jesus more, give you, give you victory in your life, give you a greater desire for the things of God. So we know that it doesn't, that, that, that tongues is not something that is demonic. I have been around a lot of evil, wicked people, people who were full of the devil. I come up around some of the most evil, wicked people when I was growing up uh, and had some friends that, were, that would do just about anything. And I have heard them curse God. I have heard them speak vile, corrupt, filthy talk. I have heard them speak a lot, say a lot of things and seen them do a lot of things. But I have never heard one of them burst out in speaking in other tongues. Are you hearing me? If it was, listen, if tongues was of the devil, the bunch I used to run with would all been tongue talkers and they wouldn't. Amen. Whew. Glory to God. It's like those two drunks sitting in the tavern talking, you know, one time. And, and one of them, you know, was, that, well, they were both backsliders. And they were in the tavern talking. And, and they got to talking about church. And one of them said, yeah, I used to go to Pentecostal church. And he said, well, you know, did, did, did you all speak in tongues? He said, yeah, they spoke in tongues. And that one drunk said, well, I've heard that was the, of the devil. And the other drunk said to him, said, well, if it was of the devil, why haven't you and I got it? Because we're sure living for the devil. Amen. There may be a lot of things happen down at Cousin's Bar. There may be fights break out by, down there. There may be a lot of hanky-panky going on down at Cousin's Bar on a Friday or Saturday night. But I can tell you one thing's not going on. Nobody's speaking in tongues. Nobody's prophesying. And nobody's giving interpretations. All right. Praise God. Anything that God gives is good. Everything that God gives is good. You know, people have been afraid sometimes to be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit because they've they've been taught you're going to get something wrong. You're going to get a demon. You might get a demon. People have been taught that in other churches. And so they're afraid they're going to get something wrong. But can I tell you, when... When you, when you come and you're drawing closer to Jesus and you're praising Him and you're worshiping Him and you're praying to Him and you're loving on Him and you're asking Jesus to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get a serpent. Jesus said, if, you're, if your child comes to you and asks for, for bread, you won't give him a rock. If he asks for, for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. If he asks for an egg, you're not going to, you know, when, what kind of parent would that be? Oh, could, uh, Dad, could I have a piece of fish? Well, no, but take this rattlesnake. I'll just let you have that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the way a parent does. And Jesus said, if you, being good, know how to give good things to your children. In other words, you give to your children that which they ask for. How much more will the heavenly Father? Luke eleven thirteen. how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask Him? So if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, if you're seeking for the Holy Spirit, if you're 
asking the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what you're going to receive is the Holy Spirit. There can, God won't let a demon get within 500,000 miles of you when you're speaking, when you're seeking for the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit because he wants to give you. It's a good gift. God gives us good things, good gifts for his people, for his children. Amen? Everything that God has got is good. So speaking in tongues is a good thing. It's a good gift. Amen? It will bless you. It will edify you. Hallelujah. I didn't intend to get on all of that. But let me touch on a couple of points, and we'll, we'll close. It's 10 after, according to my clock up here. All right. Tongues, Paul said, in the chapter we read, are for spiritual edification. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, that fourth verse, edifies himself. Speaking in tongues edifies the believer. Speaking in tongues edifies the one, builds up the one who is praying in that prayer language. And as I said, that can be done around the altars in your private worship time, but edify means to build up. Jude said the same thing in Jude. In Jude, that little one-chapter epistle of Jude, the 20th verse, Jude said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. And the next verse said, and keeping yourself in the love of God. So praying in the Holy Ghost builds you up, builds up your most holy faith, and keeps you in the love of God. Does that sound like something that's good or something that's bad? It sounds like something that's good to me. Amen. So, so praying in the Spirit in tongues is a supernatural prayer language. It's a means of communicating with God. You're not speaking to men, he said, but you're speaking to God. And in that King James Version, he said, in verse 2, Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. I like Moffat's translation because Moffat translates it and says he speaks divine secrets. In other words, you're, 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 oh, you're, you're, you're sharing divine, your secrets with the Lord in other tongues. You're communicating with him. See, this is the perfect way to pray, and it's praying the perfect will. And oh my, when we have our prayer meetings here on Tuesdays and Saturdays, uh, it, it just thrills my soul I'll be praying you know and I'll I'll get caught up in the spirit during prayer and begin to pray in tongues and I'll hear sister Yvette and I'll hear brother Jim and I'll hear different ones praying in the Holy Ghost praying in the spirit carrying on a conversation with God we don't know what we're saying but God does and I know we're praying for the church and I know we're praying for people and I know that when I'm praying in that language in that heavenly language I am praying the perfect will of God because anytime you're praying in tongues you're praying by the Spirit of God in you, and He knows how to pray. He knows what to pray for. Amen? It's that scriptural, that spiritual means of communication. Paul said in Romans 8 that, that one of the weaknesses we have is we don't know for what to pray as we ought, but he said the Spirit Himself, it, He is our helper, and He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Amen. It's those groanings that come from the Spirit, which includes tongues as well, but spiritual groanings that come from deep down in here. It's the Spirit of God making intercession 
intercession. Oh, maybe if the church would get full of the Holy Spirit and begin to intercede in the Spirit more and pray with those groanings more and travail in prayer more around the altars, maybe, just maybe, we would see some sons and daughters born into the kingdom of God and some people delivered and set free. Those old saints used to have those tarrying meetings, and they'd come together. We, we get the Holy Ghost, we think our tearing's over with. We've tarried to get the Holy Ghost, we're done with it. No, you need to get the Holy Ghost instantly. Then we need to spend some time tarrying in the altars in prayer and seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. It's our spirit praying. It's spiritual praying. Praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. Also, the Bible says in Acts 10.46, it, 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 it magnifies God. When Peter heard those at Cornelius' house praying, speaking in tongues, he said for, they, it said that they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That Greek word magnify means to make or to declare great means to enlarge, to show great, to magnify, to extol. Well, when you're, when you're speaking in tongues, that's what you're doing. You're magnifying God. That's not from the devil. That's magnifying God. It's a way of praise. When you magnify something, you, you know, you're, what you're doing, you got to get a magnifying glass and get it down. Or you're magnifying, you're making it bigger. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues just makes God bigger in your life. And the bigger God gets, the smaller your problems get. Come on, amen? When you pray in tongues, you're giving praise, you're giving worship, you're giving thanks to God. And that's why it's so important. They, they prayed in tongues and they magnified God. They worshiped God. God was pleased with it, and he still is. Last of all, though, one more point, and this is, this is where, where the Bible speaks of, refers to speaking in tongues in the Old Testament. And it is in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. And I know there are those that have said, no, the context of this verse doesn't mean speaking in tongues because the context that is given in Isaiah refers to the Assyrians and that Israel was going to hear the stammering lips in the other tongue of the Assyrians. So how can you place this as meaning speaking in tongues? I'll tell you how. Because the Holy Spirit himself had Paul to take these verses right here and put them in 1 Corinthians 14 in reference to speaking in other tongues, and that's good enough for me. I said that's good enough for me. If Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, referred to this verse as meaning speaking in other tongues, and he put it in 1 Corinthians 14, then that's what it means. Case closed. But he said this, For with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I love that verse because it tells us that speaking in tongues under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is a rest to the weary. And it's a refreshing to those who need to be refreshed. Whenever you're feeling weary, whenever you're physically weary or spiritually weary... 
If you will get alone with the Lord, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this more? Get in the presence of the Lord and just begin to wait on God and begin to worship God and begin to praise God for who He is. And it won't be long. You'll feel something. If you're Holy Ghost filled, it won't take long. You'll start feeling something bubbling, bubbling, bubbling up on the inside of you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be, would flow from you like rivers of living water. But then if you'll do that, amen, and you just begin to let the Holy Spirit flow and pray with those stammering lips and pray and worship God with that other tongue there will come a rest there will come a peace there will come a blessing there will come a refreshing hallelujah they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint that word rest means a resting place and that's exactly what it is when you come to God in prayer and begin to pray in the spirit it's a resting place the second time rest is used this is the rest wherewith he calls the weary to rest that rest means to settle down so we say in this speaking in tongues is the resting place where he will cause the weary to settle down sometimes church we just need to settle down just a little bit and there isn't any greater way than to bring a settling down to your mind to your heart, to your spirit than to get alone with God when you're weary, when you're unable to go. There is a resting place that can settle you down, that can give you strength, that can give you peace of mind. And it's the baptism in the Holy Ghost with praying in other tongues. Why are tongues important? It is a refreshing that comes from the Heavenly Father. Amen? A refreshing that comes from God. That word, worship team, you can make your way back. That, that word, refreshing, there in Isaiah 28, that word, refreshing, means it has the meaning of the recovery of a breath or to relieve. It's kind of like a sigh of relief. You know, when, when you're facing something that you don't know what to do and all of a sudden it's taken care of, huh? You've been, you've, been, you've been worried with it and fretting about it and then all of a sudden it's taken care of and it's just, or it's over with, it's done and all of a sudden you can just, whew, you just breathe a sigh of relief. That's what the refreshing is talking about, it, a recovery of breath, a sigh of relief that you give when something unpleasant is over with. And that's what this refreshing is that comes from the Lord, that comes from God. Amen? It's the rest. It's the refreshing from all your trouble. It's praying through, praying through. Did I call for the worship team? Oh, there they are. All right. All right. I thought I did. I, I couldn't remember. Amen. But it's that. Refreshing from God, it's that sigh of relief from your trouble. It's praying through to victory. The old timers used to use that phrase a lot. Have you prayed through today? We need to pray through. And that praying through is praying through till you, you touch the rim of the Holy Ghost.
And he begins to pray through you and worship God through you. And you know, you don't know what you're saying, but oh my, you know the Holy Ghost is getting something done in your life. And you hit that note of victory, that, that refreshing and that note of victory. And you don't know how, you don't know when, but you know one thing, that the Holy Ghost has prayed that thing through for you and that you have the answer and that you have the victory. That's what praying through is all about. And you hit a note of victory in your spirit where you just begin to praise and you begin to laugh and you begin to sing. Amen. Anybody ever been there? Amen. This is something foreign to most Pentecostals, but it didn't used to be. You begin to laugh and sing and praise the Lord and you know that you know that you know that you know. And it's a rest for the weary. You can lay your head down that night and go right on to sleep because you're not worried anymore about that problem. Why? You've prayed it through in the Holy Ghost. Tongues, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance is vital to our Christian walk and to our Christian life. That is why I am so adamant that folks seek the Holy Spirit and be filled with and baptized with the Holy Spirit with that evidence of speaking in other tongues. Worship team, sing something for us tonight. Praise God. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord.